Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio. I am Tower here with the Watchman, and we are glad you joined us. Please send all your prayer requests and correspondence for the WIBR Warren Radio Network through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Be sure to find Warren Radio on usa.life, MeWe, Parlor, CloudHub, Tumblr, LinkedIn, Pure Social, Spreely, and Linktree. You can listen to Warren Radio on these following website streamers Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, Castbox, Google Podcast. Anchor, Deezer, and Podchaser. You can also go to warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com where you can find our posts for listening and downloading. Be sure to give us a thumbs up and leave a good comment on the show where you heard us as your interaction helps. And don't miss these posts on warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. Our Christian Hope Faith Unashamed. Christian hope in a lost and dying world can make a renewed hope for many today. Our faith as believers is unabashedly and truly unashamed. Also, offended. The world and the faith of Christ. Offended by the world? not have any faith, let alone the faith of Christ? Ask the world a faith question, and chances are they really will have no clue as to the real issues of Jesus Christ. Go to warn-usa.com to listen to, for this post. Testify Jesus Christ brings this classic Warren Radio episode into the reality of the cost of following the Lord Jesus Christ. It takes faith, guts, it takes faith, and guts don't just cut it. Today we face a world of nations that take issue with the gospel. And for the latest post on Dana Glenn Smith, Heavenly Signs, Prophecy, and America. And America reminds us that we are well through 2021. Former signs remind us today how pertinent they were to what's going on. Be sure to go to danaglinsmith.com to sign up for the newsletter. And also visit our Christian Books and Resource Shop where we feature Christian books and other resources from our Vision Media. And now I welcome in the Watchmen. You're listening to Warren Radio on the WIBR Warren Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at 
warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com and also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings. This is a special edition of Battle Lines on a Thursday. And uh, it's special because uh, we're changing up the time a little bit when we do it. You won't notice anything different except, well, we are in Isaiah still. And it's interesting when we when we are discussing Jerusalem and uh, I remember the time when Jerusalem and the whole area was under the control of Jordan and a young 16 year old went there with his parents and there was some people in this tour group there were a bunch of pastors and uh, I think he was 16 at the time and uh, this is Ari who later went to Israel and started a ministry Moaz Israel and uh, he speaks of that moment when they prayed at the uh, preacher came forth started praying at the wall praying to the Lord God of Israel that the Jews would be back in the land and the tour guide got upset at the time because Jordan will arrest you we're not supposed to pray to the God of Israel at the wall you know now our picture is we see the Jews praying at the wall all the time and most people don't know how far Israel's come. It's an amazing story. And so we're picking up part of that story. We've been talking about Judah in Jerusalem and the threat of the Assyrians. And we left off In verse uh, 33, well, we're going to begin verse 33 of Isaiah 37. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. And, you know, it's interesting when we talk about Jerusalem, we talk about a remnant. And if you listen to the Lord in the Gospels, when he was talking to the disciples, he told him he had sheep from another house that he had to gather. There would be one house. There would be under one roof. And to see this Gospel come together and to bring Israel in along with the Gentiles is an amazing feat. And so if, if you 
you know, read some of the history like Ari talks about. And he's got his testimony over on his website. And I'm sure he's got a book, but him and his wife still work in it. They've got another, uh, you know, somebody that works the main part of it with everyone because, you know, I mean, he's not a young spring chicken. He's working in another area, but uh, they'll always work there. It's an amazing thing. And then you look at what the Lord said, and you look at what Isaiah says, and you can see prophecy just melting through the ages, just bringing everything together. And it warms my heart to see. Because that tells me that God has everything under control, no matter what men and nations may do. We sit in America divided. We have people up in D.C. that could care less. Uh, what uh, you know anybody says they just go along trying to make this uh, Marxist nation but you see no matter what men and nations do God is in charge and if there's anything that you take out of the fact besides what we're talking about with Israel and this time period is that God is in charge and today it's Yahshua because God invested full authority in him. That's who you have to look to. And I find this personally amazing. So this week we're talking about Jerusalem remnant. The Jerusalem remnant. Isaiah's prophetic book 99. Oh, this is really, this is good. Because, you know... Judah had not always been, you know, the most obedient. Neither was the northern tribes, Israel, who had was carried captive, actually taken out of the land by Sargon of Assyria, who is the father of Sennacherib, who, you know, in this story is at the gates of Jerusalem or thereabouts. They're surrounding it. And... Uh, so you've got all this conflict. You've got all this stu stuff going on. And Judah, who, you know, under Ahaz and Jezebel, had taken um, Judah in a terrible path, incurred the wrath of God. And, of course, then... Hezekiah came to power and he actually reigned for quite a long time and so Isaiah comes into this along the way too uh, but uh, you know Hezekiah is not a newcomer to any of this he, he had uh, worked a lot of reforms and stuff like that but in this case this is a major threat from Assyria here and in verse 33, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of, Assyria, king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, <laughs> nor shoot an arrow there. You know, let he, he's come. <laughs> they got everything, you know. Assyria's come with the full load. And the Lord says, he's not even going to shoot an arrow, an arrow at you. You know, I, I like this. It's funny because it's, you know, to me, it's humorous. I mean, if I'm sitting, say, my town, okay, 
and all of a sudden, I'm, you know, the town is surrounded by an enemy. There's no escape at all. And they come by and they razz you day after day after day and tell you to surrender, come on out, you know, we're going to be buddies. And no, you're not. You're going to be slaves. But uh, <laughs> that is if they let you live. But at any rate, so all of a sudden the word of the Lord comes and says, uh, don't worry. Don't worry, watchman. There's not going to be one bullet fired at you. They're not even going to throw a knife at you, and if anybody has an arrow, it's not even going to be shot. I mean, it's just like, you know, when he says they're not going to come into the sea, they're not going to shoot an arrow, or come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. They're not going to come up and do a siege tower. And uh, in the old days, uh, well, that would be the real old days, but see, they would drag them along. But see, if they couldn't drag them along, another trick, and this is what the Romans actually did, was build a, a big bank up to the top of it, and that's how they would get into the fortification. They would just keep building the dirt up until they got it up high enough to walk up and walk over. And, of course, they would uh, have a lot of other things while they're fighting, and sometimes these sieges would go on for a long time, so they would... Uh, either build a siege tower there or they'd build the bank. So not even that was going to be ha was going to happen. And uh, so you you have the Assyrians and they're moving with great pomp. They've got okay, they've got the army. Nobody can stop them. And so there's a lot of pride, a lot of pomp. We're going to, and of course, they've already devastated a lot of the land. There's a lot of problem. And so, now see, they remember what their daddy did, Daddy Sargon, who was famous. He was one of the, actually, of the Assyrian kings, I think, one of the more famous and well-known, well-liked. And, of course, he had already taken the, the one city captive, so this was a way to seal the bargain. I mean, you get rid of Judah, you carry him away captive, and there's not going to be anybody left. And the Jews will be a, a history mark, and, and, and uh, nobody, nobody would uh, even know they're there. Uh, unfortunately, nobody asked the Lord God about it. Now, see, remember, he has a covenant with David, and, and when... Uh, Solomon had sinned, and this because his wives, that's what scripture says, I'm sorry ladies, that they, you know, these were a bunch of pagan women though. And, uh, and I explained it in the last show why he would marry them. But at any rate, so he had sinned and, and God divided Israel into two houses. And so for David's sake, he would get Jerusalem, and Benjamin would be with him and the Levites, and that would be it. And so you you have that. And it's interesting to note that uh, when David is, is repenting of things, you know, he makes it clear that God is a God of forgiveness, that God will forgive, and that... God will restore. I mean, we get this idea in the Old Testament that it was all law. There's no way God would forgive. There's no way you could turn around. Now, there, there, there was. I mean, uh, 
Um, and, and we see that in a lot of these old saints that, you know, like David. And so it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how God is keeping his promise now. And, and you, you've got a threat from uh, Assyria, but it isn't going to be there. Now, see, Assyria didn't know that. Uh, and, of course, they could say, well, don't attack, fellas, because you're going to lose. Well... They had already mocked him, saying, we'd give you 2,000 horses, but you don't have riders. And they said, if you can put riders on him. But, of course, they, you know, th that's a dig at him, saying, you're not going to be able to put riders. We've got 2,000 horses just in the pastures. If you want them, we'll give them to you. Then you can come out and see if you can beat us. You know, they're not trying to make it square. They're mocking him because they know very well they can't put anybody on, on that kind of thing. Because Assyria was a warring machine. And uh, so at any rate, well, they came to an end. <laughs> and uh, verse uh, 34, by the way that he came, the same shall he return and shall not come into this city. And uh, in 35, he says, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And and this is this is very important. Because God had promised David you know, a Davidic promise. Uh, and of course that's ultimately fulfilled in, in the Messiah. Because the Messiah is known as the greater, another word for him, another phrase, is the greater son of David. And when he comes back in the millennial reign of Christ, he will actually fulfill the kingdom and the millennial reign, fulfilling uh, these Old Testament prophecies. But at any rate, um, so he's not going to come to the city. He's not going to shoot an arrow. He's not going to come at it with shields. They're not going to be able to come uh, put a bank again against it. They're, they're not going to have uh, siege towers. They would have to build them. Uh, and so more than likely they would do like a lot of them do is, is dig up the dirt and pile it until they can get up to the top. Um, and of course, uh, by the way he came, the same shall he return and shall not come into this city, for I will defend this city. And so there's going to be a majority of people, you know, that, that are Syrians that... Uh, they're going to die. And they're going to die without firing a shot. They're going to die without making a siege. And then Sennacherib will leave. And he'll be in the house of his God. And his sons will kill him. Now, the next son that takes over is Esar Haddon. And I believe he is the last king of the Assyrians, Assyria Falls. And, of course, the next power coming up, of course, is Babylon. Another strong power was Persia. And, and of course, it'll be Persia who will destroy Babylon, and it'll be Persia, uh, through their king, that will um, actually free the Jews and tell them to go back and build the temple and build up Jerusalem again. And so, I mean, 
when you think about all the stuff that God has done to keep Jerusalem going, keep Judah there, uh, you know, keep all this stuff going. Where do you think you're, you know, what's going to be the center of heaven? What's going to be center of, uh, of, uh, you know, everything, you know, in, in the millennial reign of Christ is going to be Jerusalem, going to be Zion. And, and of course, many people call Jerusalem Zion, but Zion is just one place uh, w- within the area. And, of course, there's the old city and the new city. And, um, and so when we talk about actual war of Jerusalem during the time of, say, the Antichrist, uh, you know, we have some real good, what we use, what, what we look at is like Zechariah. Uh, has a picture of this and and paints it like that that uh, really relates to that time period and you know God is very clear when he says I'm going to bring them down to Jerusalem and I will judge them there see now he's judging um, Sennacherib at the gates of Jerusalem and in during during the end of days, during the time of the Antichrist, when now he actually becomes the last uh, leader of the Gentiles. Now, that doesn't mean he has to be Gentile. Matter of fact, I think he's going to be from uh, from the tribe, of, uh, from Ishmael's line, uh, because he's Antichrist. I've explained that in other teachings, but at any rate, to make a long story short, there's the line of uh, Isaac where the promise came uh, from, that's where the promise flows through. That's where uh, Yahshua flows through. And Ishmael is the other line. That's the line of the Arabs and all the others. And in order to be an anti-Christ or one that is anti of the Christ, he'd have to be from the other line. But, uh, you know, technically, Abraham, of course, is father of both of them. And God promised both sons a big a big kingdom uh, but it was going to be through Isaac that the promise went through uh, and so there's uh, you know today and, and this is what was important with uh, Trump as well uh, because they pushed uh, the Abrahamic covenant there among the brothers of Abraham Ishmael and Isaac uh, or in, in Americanese it would be the Jews and, and the Arabs and so, you know, the bottom line of it is the Arabs don't want to get killed and, you know, they want to live a good life. You know, you'd have to be stupid. The only people that really seem not to care at all are the Muslim jihadists that go around making war all the time. And, of course, they're raping and pillaging. And when they die, they go to heaven. I mean, that's their theology. And, of course, that kind of a theology is more attuned to a man than it is a woman. But, you know, the woman has also, if she dies in jihad, she's going to be, she gets to take a few things, or so they think. I mean, this this is the terrible thing. When you talk about the lies of the devil, the lies of the devil are very pertinent and very sneaky. And so, you know, we're we're looking at this thing, and and see, this is really prophecy that reminds us of things to come. 
Because what God is saying to Judah, I'm delivering you now. This is a lesson for you that you can't do anything without me. The Lord told us that in in John. And if you get into um, John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. I, I mean, I, I raise... Uh, you know, a lot of things that have vines and branches that have fruits on them. And you connect the vine, you disconnect the vine or the branch from the main tree, that thing's going to die. And unless the fruit is already on it and fully ripened, uh, you know, you ain't going to have any fruit. You're going to have nothing but a dead branch. And so that's why you want a branch that's alive and connected. And, uh, and, and this goes for the Christians today. This goes for the churches today. You know, you, you need to be make, making sure you're connected to the Lord, truly, and you're prepared every day. And the Jews, in their own time, they will come. God will bring them because that's what he's doing. And so by the same way that he came, the same way he's going to return, he's not going to come into the city. Now, this is a guy whose dad was well-known, who was a conqueror and a warrior. And he died, in a, you know, after a long, you know, for his time, a long reign. And, uh, you know, he's very prolific in what he did. Now, there's nothing worse than to go out as a conqueror and come back defeated. I mean, he's coming back and he doesn't even have an army. I mean, no wonder his sons killed him. They're ashamed of him. How could you come back and your army all die? And when he was going back, that's probably what he thought he had to do anyway, is die. Because what was he going to tell the people? You know, we were sitting there and all of a sudden a plague hit and killed everybody. And, I mean, you know, if, if you're not a believer, then everything becomes a whoops moment or, you know, one of those one in a million things or it just happened, you know. That's what a lot of them do with the Big Bang Theory and big all these other things on how everything began now see for me it's simple i get into genesis 1 and i have no problem with it i don't care that people don't like that i like that uh, that's tough i like the scriptures and i get into them and that's all there is to it i don't have a problem with that i don't have a problem with dinosaurs i don't have a problem with giants being in the land I think you can work all of that in. And in years past, we used to work some of that in, uh, you know, in some of our various uh, interviews we used to do. And those were years, years ago. Um, but at any rate, so he's going to return. Here is a guy who, who's going back without an army. And he's going to die in his own land. He doesn't know this, but this is the prophecy. See, when God gives us prophecy, you know, don't expect the enemy to know that prophecy. Now, see, in this case, Assyria did know some of the prophecy. They knew Isaiah's first prophecy that said that God would use Assyria against them. 
That may even been the reason why they came in the first place to attack him. But there was other things, uh, you know, when we look at the history of this, that people believe, uh, and this is um, when you get back into the history of it and everything, of Hezekiah, that somehow um, he had done something to make uh, Sargon angry. But Hezekiah never had any trouble with Sargon. And so you get over here to Sennacherib, though, and all of a sudden now he has it. And, of course, one of the reasons is that because Judah began to fall away. And it was actually because of Hezekiah coming in and starting to turn everything around back to the Lord God that this was, you know, possible. Because otherwise, they would have come and destroyed Israel. You know, Judah. And uh, make no mistake about it. You think about America for a minute. You know, we... <laughs> We have people from the White House all the way to the gutter. <laughs> Every state in the nation. And we have made things into law that are an absolute abomination. And we do things on a regular basis that are an abomination. Now how long, if there is a blessing on this country, which there isn't right now, God is not going to deliver America. He's going to honor his relationship between him and his people. But America, if, you're, if the people that want peace don't stand up, you're not going to have any. If, if you don't stand up and, you know, get things back to the Constitution, you ain't going to have one. Because God is not going to step in to deliver you. Because we've fallen away, totally away. And we're not a theocracy, and you don't have to be. And I've explained this a lot of times. You know, God judged the northern tribe and judged Judah. They both went in. Uh, one was totally removed from the land, and Judah was sent into captivity for 70 years and returned. However, the Gentile cities that he judged stayed judged. Except for um, when Jonah preached and Nineveh repented. So at any rate, it's important for us to get back. But see, we're, we're modern. We have technology. You know, we begin to sound like Sennacherib and the Assyrians. You know, we can do whatever we want to. We can put together our armies. We got all of this. We don't need God. Who is God? And, and of course, uh, Jerry Nadler said that. Um, he got angry, and that's the way he does things up there. And he says, uh, God has no business in this chamber. And I can't w remember the word for word, but that's the gist of what he said I heard his quote when it rang out and I got news for everybody he has every right to be there because he is governor of the nations 
And see, see, this is the issue in America. You know, for years and years, we classified ourselves as a Christian nation. But then we got to the point that we didn't care anymore. And we began to open up that box of abominations, begin to do those. We never repented of them. We continued to do things worse. And now, right now, in America, you are in the midst of a kind of a a civil war that is civil with no guns and bullets except there's a lot of murders going on a lot of shootings in liberal cities and of course they had got this big idea in Chicago that citizen and police they're sending counselors yeah that's that's a stupid idea and of course that's done by the by the mayor of Chicago that was her idea You know, I, I hate to say this, folks, but in America, we're utterly stupid. We are. We're dumb as a box of rocks when it comes to what we're doing. And we're in Isaiah, and you can say, well, you're in the Old Testament, and we don't have the Old Testament anymore. I said, well, I'm sorry, sir, but you're wrong. Because the Old Testament, as you call it, the Brit Kaddish, is, is the new one. And we look at the Tanakh, which is the entirety of the old books. You see, those were the books that the Lord studied. Those were what the apostles studied. They studied that, and out of that came the epistles and the Gospels. The Gospels were meant as a testimony to who Christ was and what he did. The epistles were known as those teaching instruments to the church to help them to live for God. There's no way they wrote the New Testament so you could throw out the Old Testament. That's not just idiocy, it's stupidity of the first order. And, and I know church denominations that do that. I, you know, I can tell them, but I'm not going to. The bottom line of it is, is that you miss a lot of truth in these. Because they were written for our edification, our understanding. And this deals a lot with the relationship of God to his people. This relates a lot with how God is working, not only then, but in the world today. And you see, Assyria would have destroyed and never had to worry about Judah again, but God wasn't going to have it. And many, many enemies of Israel, including Iran, former Persia would rather Israel not exist even those over in the Gaza Strip would rather and that's Hamas who's in power they'd rather have Israel 
dead. Gone. See, and, and this is the real issue in the world today. Even for Christians. The Lord said that you would be hated of all nations. And he told that to the apostles. And of course, when people interpret that in the New Testament, they've already excluded themselves because most of them believe they're going to go in the pre-trib uh, rapture. If you believe that, that's fine. Ha you know, help yourself. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to have to happen pretty soon because, you know, you're really running kind of late on the pre, you know, and you're going to be running late even if it's a mid-trip. So the, the bottom line of it is, is that the Lord is coming back and we have to be ready. But yet there's a lot of things that are going to happen. And so they line up all this stuff and they don't understand how important it is in prophecy and in history and in the future how God is going to bring this about. You know, and there's going to be wars over there. And just because you don't like war doesn't mean it ain't going to happen. We're already got war going here. We already have, thanks to Biden, had one of the worst floodgates of enemies that we've ever had. And I'm not talking about a lot of these poor people coming over here that, that aren't like that. But within all of those coming across your border, there are terrorists and murderers and drug runners and human smugglers and uh, children abusers I mean you have got a lot of stuff that is going to bring some of the worst heartache to this country but that's happening because of the sins in this nation and no amount of Marxism no amount of Joe Biden no amount of Jerry Nadler no amount of even Donald Trump is going to save it until this people repents and gets where they need to get before God. And that's including your churches, your ministries, and all of them. There needs to be a wholesale repentance. But, you know, with history, if you look at history, it, it, nothing's going to happen until something detrimental really bad happens I mean that's the way it is and the way it's going and the way the division is going is that I'm not surprised you know three years from now if we don't have a major civil war if we make it that far um, because we have politicians that are just riddled with A great dose of knuckleheadedness and stupidity. No man's going to save you. Yahshua, the Son of Almighty God, can. But he's he's not going to save America. He's going to take care of those that are his. 
so at any rate, we have Israel. For I'll defend this city. Now in Second Chronicles 32.1 it says, After these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib king of Assyria came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. And in Second Chronicles 32.20-23, 20 And for this cause Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel, which cut off all the mighty men of valor, and the leaders and captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. Shame of face. Now see, that's the one thing we don't like. And if your dad is Sargon, one of the Assyrian great kings, he conquered real famous this is not going to look good on your resume and it's not good as the son of Sargon to come back with your butt whipped but see in all honesty Sargon would not have been able to whip the Lord God either it was just a different circumstance totally different he could only take the northern tribe because God willed it because of what they had done in the area of idolatry and turning away from him. And he warned them what would happen. So then you have Sennacherib returning to the people with shamefacedness, you know. What did you do with the army we sent with you? Can you see how many wives are without husbands? Man, some of them wives, they would have slit his throat themselves. How did you get out of there? What, were you on some hill somewhere, hiding, watching while they slaughtered your army? Oh, man, that would be... You know, they're not going to be really nice. They weren't very happy. So he went... And when he was coming to the house of God, they came forth of his own bowels and slew him there with his sword. That was his kids, his sons. Because they had to save face too. Your army's dead, you need to die, period. That's it. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other. And guided them on every side. Now that is. <laughs> there was nobody else that could bother him during that king's reign. But there is somebody that did enter in. And they're going to figure very, very prominent. Because we've got, uh, you know, a little while longer. And then we're going to get into a chapter where Babylon arrives on the scene uh, nearing Hezekiah's death and that actually sets the scene see because by the time that happened you see all the pillaging that the king of Assyria had done see he didn't take it back with him he couldn't have he needed an army he didn't have an army and they were able to fill their own treasure trove with a lot of stuff that just was sitting around. Nobody wanted it. And uh, 
So that figure is prominent in this problem they have with Babylon. And Isaiah tells him so. So we'll get into that later. But uh, Hezekiah, make no mistake, made a difference here. And many brought gifts un unto the Lord to Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah king in Judah. So that he was magnified, magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. Now that's Second Chronicles. Now you get back in Isaiah and it says it this way. And the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and four score and five thousand. 145,000. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. Now, of course, we're not talking about the dead, cor dead corpses arising. We're talking about the children of Israel. They arose. And, uh, you know, if, if you were, you know, they would have been all in their beds still. And I suppose some of them could have been outside the camp. There had been guards. But nobody would have known what happened. Because, see, they didn't know how God was going to do this. See, that's the thing. They knew that Isaiah told them that they would be delivered. They knew that they would be delivered. God didn't tell them how he was going to do it. But if you remember Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent two angels there. This one here, there was one angel of the Lord. And Kyle and Delish talk about this, and uh, I don't spend a lot of time trying to explain it. But... Uh, And they said many attempts have been made to explain the occurrence which is here recorded and to trace the agencies or means which God employed. To me, that's irrelevant. But they make the note that that. But see, they do talk about the word angel. It does not denote the manner. There's always an angel, though, that is close by when we're talking about judgment. And, uh, of course, he says it, it may have been accomplished either by the power of an invisible messenger of God. Now, see, I call those angels. Now, the word angel there in, in, in the Hebrew... Uh, it means, uh, it comes from a word meaning to send, or one sent, a messenger, a messenger of God. It can apply to a prophet, a priest, or an angel. But see, here we already know that a prophet was involved, which was Isaiah, but he didn't do it. He delivered the message. We know that Hezekiah was the king and he was involved. He's another messenger because he went to the Lord God to deliver what was coming on. 
And then, of course, when you talk about another one equipped, a spiritual being commissioned for this purpose. Now, I don't know why we have to make this big of a deal. Because when we look at uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, it's very simple. You know, it, it just, you know, it didn't fall on its own. The angels were there to get Lot out. That's what we know. And they said, we won't be able to destroy the place until you leave. And see, I count that as very important. I don't think that is out of the bounds here in the end of days for God to send an angel to his people to tell them, you need to get out of Dodge because this is going to be destroyed. And that's why I say in the end of days, you know, if we limit ourselves in our faith, limit believing that God doesn't do this, and we've limited a lot because God was in the delivering aspect for his people. And they said it might have been some second causes under the direction of an angel as a pestilence, a storm, or tempest. Or it might have been some agent sent by God. See, you know, all this is just nothing I'm interested in. It just, I don't care. You know, when it says an angel Lord went forth and smote the camp in the Assyrians, that's what it says. And the angel of the Lord is a messenger. And it says, does not determine the matter. It may be observed that the use of the word angel here does not determine the matter. It may be observed. In other words, you can find that may be another thing. And I don't know why people do that, but we do this in Scripture. We henpick it until it just rattles, it, it knocks so many holes in it. I think we're way too picky in a lot of this stuff. We know that the Syrians died. There was an angel there. Now, in a, in a court of law, you know, who did it? Well, sir, there was an angel there. Was anybody else? No, sir, there's nobody else around. I mean, that's just the way it was. I mean, we know very well that Lot and his family were delivered. And they were delivered by two men who we classify as angelic messengers. And, and unfortunately, we do see a lot of these. They, they look like us, messengers from God, uh, sent to do a job because they can't destroy it, they, they said, until you get out of here. And I would have said, thank you very much. I'm glad to hear that. You know, but see, this, you know, when you look at all this, uh, talk about corruption. You know, Lot was willing to give the people who wanted to have sex with these angels, these men, uh, that we may know them. Uh, and, and in the Hebrew, you can see what they're talking about. But at any rate, they didn't want the girls. <laughs> when you talk about, I mean, what father would give up his girls? I wouldn't. I mean, you know, I just can't even fathom a situation. You know, if you have angels that show up and they tell you of a judgment, we got to get you out of here, and you have the whole of the city gathered to stop you and want these things, the angels of God can take care of it. 
I mean, yeah, I can, you know, you can find a weapon and try to kill them all, but chances are you're going to be killed. So they were all dead corpses. And, it, you know, if you didn't really know what was going on, which these didn't, you know, the only way that they would have known is that the next morning, and you always have bums and others, you know, that, you know, I mean, they live on the street, they live in the desert, and they'd been watching because the Assyrians ain't messing with them. They're just harmless folk, and all of a sudden they see that these, there's no activity in the camp, and they'd been watching it, so they came down. And if you're on the wall, you're looking at it, and you see these other guys out there walking around, and nobody, nothing's happening to them, then you begin to wonder. And pretty soon you see these guys coming out, and they're eating stuff. And they're taking stuff. By that time, they got the doors, uh, you know, the gates of Jerusalem open, and the people are going out there to see what happened. So nobody would have known. Nobody knew this is what God was going to do. I mean, and when you see this, it's the same thing. When when Moses and Aaron went against uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh was supposed to be God on earth. And he says, who is the Lord? that I should let Israel go. Well, he found out. And see, the unbeliever today is still saying, who is the Lord that I should obey? Why should I care about Christians? Why should I care about Israel? You know, I don't believe that. We got other gods. You know, who is the Lord? Well, the world will find out. The same way Sennacherib found out. And the lesson of Sennacherib is the lesson of the wicked, wickedness, wicked leaders, wicked armies, and destruction. That one day God will call an end to everything. And we know, especially with where we're headed, that unless the days are shortened, there would be no flesh left alive. That's in scripture. So unless the Lord comes and shortens the days, nobody's going to be left alive. That's how vicious and wicked it's going to be. And then in addition, in Revelation, you find him talking, saying that he's going to destroy those who have destroyed the earth. Well, we already know who's trying to destroy the earth, and we're not talking about carbon here. We're talking about maybe a carbine, or maybe a nuclear weapon. You know, we're talking about vast armies of radical Muslims that are making a war throughout Africa, killing Christians and anybody that gets in their way. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people today, right now at this moment, destroying the earth. They're killing people. They're destroying cities. They're doing what they can to take it over. And this should be a lesson to you. That this God is not done. The Lord is not done. And so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed, went and returned, and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as, we, as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, that Andramelech and Sherezer, his son, smote him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Armenia, and Esau had his son reigned in his stead. Now Nisroch was the Assyrian god in whose temple Sennacherib was worshipping when put to death by his sons. 
And you'll not only find it in Isaiah 37, 38, you'll find it in 2 Kings 19, 37. Uh, Kings and Chronicles, we, uh, you know, we'll, fo we'll follow that. And so that brings us to chapter 38. Now see, in the, the chapter we came out of, Hezekiah seeks Isaiah's help. In the chapter we're going into, we're going to talk about Hezekiah's sickness and recovery. And there's a lot of discussion uh, exactly when this sickness really happened. Now the point of the sickness, I don't think, I, I just, it's another one of those things. The precise moment or the things that had happened doesn't matter. The fact is Hezekiah's own response. And so we'll, we'll be getting into that um, next week. So, uh, that's 38 chapters. And so, we are well uh, over the halfway range here. As far as that goes. But it's an amazing thing uh, when, I, when I look at this. And I see everything that's that's going on. When I when I see this, and then I look at America, and and then I see things um, like I told you the story about Ari from Moez, Israel, a true story that we are caught up in history folks we're caught up in history along with the Jews and the house of Israel and the son of David and the father who's bringing everything together we may not know or understand absolutely every event and there's going to be suffering and sorrow but in the end we win through Christ don't forget to go to our websites at warn-usa.com, danaglinsmith.com. Father, we thank you for this word. I ask you to bless this word to all those that hear it whenever they hear it. And in Jesus' name, I bind you, Satan, and the powers of darkness from the preaching, teaching, streaming, and receiving of this word. In Jesus' name. Till next time, folks, be blessed. Be safe. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.